Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Aaron Osborne. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, delighted to be able to bring uh, and share God's Word with you today. Uh, one of the things you may or may not know about me is I love to work at McDonald's. Um, I find a lot of distractions in my home or, my, uh, or at the office here. Um, and so when I need to read, write, really focus, I love to go to McDonald's. You know, the people in the Old Testament would go to the temple or the tabernacle to meet with the Lord. You know, God and I, we just meet really well in my McDonald's booth. Um, most of what I'm sharing today was actually written there. Um, but you know, in order to work there, in order to work at McDonald's, you kind of have that, that obligation that you need to buy something. Uh, so when I go in in the mornings, I get my dollar and five uh, cent cup of coffee, um, either iced or hot, depending on the seasons. Um, if I'm there for lunch, I get a large drink and fries and a McDouble for $2.73. Uh, on Friday, you can get that same thing for $1.47. Now, if you're like, how does that math work? I do have a couple insider hacks. Um, inflation has driven up my costs a little bit, but still pretty reasonable. You know, I have then gone in, I buy my one thing, I fulfilled my obligation to buy something, and now I can consume. And I consume a lot one there. And I'm not just talking about uh, food. I can be there for four hours or so using their air conditioning, their Wi-Fi, their restrooms. I get free refills because it's now my right because I bought that one item, right? Now, you may be like, what do Aaron's McDonald's habits have anything to do with God, the Bible, the Holy Spirit? So we'll just dive right in. This is kind of the key point, key thing I would love for, you, for us to take away from today uh, is simply this. The Holy Spirit empowers believers to build up God's church, not to just consume. A really kind of different way of, of looking at it is this key question. Am I treating church like McDonald's? You know, as what I mean by that, I, I can see at different seasons and times in my life, the way I've treated the church like McDonald's. First, just think about the way we tend to evaluate churches. We're like, how does, how does that church do at, at meeting my needs? Not, how can I invest there? Is there a place for me to utilize my gifts there? It's very consumer-driven the way we choose churches. Uh, second, I know for myself at different seasons, I know I'm supposed to go to church, but going to church sometimes just feels like this box-checking exercise that I need to get done. And I want to get it done as fast as possible. It's like the McDonald's drive through You know, you want to go in, you want to go out, and I want to sneak out uh, before that last song uh, going out the back door to my car. So it's part of what's so great great about online church. It's kind of like DoorDash, right? Um, now, please hear me. I do understand there's seasons when I'm sick, I got an infant, all that sort of stuff. But I've definitely had that mindset where church is just kind of a quick box that I need to get done. Uh, I, and third, I also see this with my uh, complaining heart. You know, I see way too many people come into McDonald's and they're just looking to complain, thinking that the cook had some personal vendetta against them because they put onions on their McDouble and they said they wanted no onions, right? But, but do, we, do we look at the church? Is our first inclination to say, well, these are all the problems to complain or whine about it? Or do I look, hey, how could I be part of the solution to that problem, to that issue? 
Last week, uh, Jason Van Dorsten kicked off our discussion on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. A really excellent message. If you missed it, please, please go back uh, and watch it. A very clear explanation of a very challenging uh, topic. And he laid a lot of the framework for what we're going to be talking about today. And he talked about the variety of spiritual gifts uh, that we see in Scripture. But with all of these passages, and, and Jason looked at several of them last week, I, I think we think uh, that Paul is more giving a, giving a set of examples, uh, not a definitive list. Like these are the only gifts that are out there. There are only seven or nine or 13, and you have to have one or two, and there's some perfect box uh, that's checked. Uh, but really, our spiritual gifts are abilities given by God to allow His people to minister beyond their regular human capacities to build up His church. And last week, Jason's focus was on the sign or the miraculous gifts. Um, Today, I'll be talking about the edifying or gifts of of service. But even that distinction between edifying and sign gifts is, is something that's not really found in Scripture. It's something that we have made trying to understand and put things together. Um, and if you came last week or, or any time in the series and you're like, hey, there, I still have some other questions about the Holy Spirit. Something didn't make sense or other, other questions you may have. Um, I'd encourage you to submit those questions to questions at restinbible.org. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, several of pastors will be making some videos uh, to answer those questions if you have them. Um, but at the core of our discussion of the spiritual gifts is this, I I think I can, we can get so distracted with what are the gifts, what are my gifts, are the miracles, are the abilities, that we can really miss the key command of Scripture. And today, you know, if, if the Holy Spirit has given us gifts to edify and build up the church, what are my gifts and how am I using them? See, the command we're going to see in Scripture today isn't, hey, you need to be doing some faith healings or something like that, but, but that we need to be using our abilities empowered by the Holy Spirit for the building up of God's church. Now, if you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, first of all, we're so glad uh, you're with us today. Um, but you got a bonus. A lot of what I'm talking about doesn't apply to you. Um, as, as we've talked about in, in this series, um, we believe as a church that when someone places their faith in Jesus Christ in what he did uh, by dying on a cross to pay the penalty for my sins and your sins and rising from the dead three days later, when we put our faith in that, then we are indwelled, filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> And, and that happens uh, at that moment of belief. But today we're going to be talking a lot about purpose. And I would really encourage you to consider, what is the purpose you are living for? Today we're going to be walking through uh, 1 Corinthians 12 that really provides, I think, a great framework uh, for our understanding of spiritual gifts. And we're not going to be trying to understand every minute point in 1 Corinthians 12, but really I want to see Paul's big picture. What is, he, what is he commanding us? What is he trying to get us? What are we trying to under, which are the core things we should understand from Paul's uh, teaching? And then we're going to ask, well then, how do I figure out my gifts and how am I using uh, my gifts? Because I believe that the Holy Spirit empowers believers to build up God's church 
and not to just consume. And I want to evaluate my own heart. Am I treating our church uh, like McDonald's? Let's pray and then we're going to dive into the text. Oh, gracious God in heaven, uh, I just come before you grateful and thankful for the privilege we have of gathering as your body, gathering as, as your church, uh, to sing praises of worship and honor to you that you are so deserving of, uh, to fellowship with one another, to hear from your word, Lord. And God, I pray that you would help us see today, God, what are some of the ways that you wired each of us uniquely for the building up and the encouragement of your church? Teach us today and help us to go forth from today using our gifts for your kingdom, your uh, purposes, and your glory. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, diving right into uh, verse 1 of chapter 12, it says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul is writing here to make sure that their understanding of spiritual gifts is accurate. He knows there's going to be some confusion and some false teachers that will arrive, arise, and he wants to make sure that their understanding is very clear. And in chapters 12, 13, and 14, uh, Paul talks a ton about gifts. Uh, Jason went through a lot of this theology last week. Continuing in verse 4, we read, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. First, I, I pray you see this beautiful Trinitarian statement here. Uh, the synonyms of, of gifts and service activities are all related to the same Spirit, the same Lord Jesus, and the same God, the Father. That's a whole other message. But Paul's, Paul's big picture point that I hope you're seeing is that all the gifts flow from the same source. They all originate from God, not from us. Second, I want to highlight here this, this phrase at the end that's the manifestation of the Spirit. That word, Greek word that's translated uh, manifestation, is the noun form of the verb that means to reveal or to disclose. It's very similar to the Greek word for a lamp. And his point is, is your gifts, your spiritual gifts, are not meant to be a spotlight on you. They're not to say, hey, notice me, look at how awesome or great or amazing I am. But our gifts, our spiritual gifts, are to be revealing God, His glory, His love, His power, and His attributes. Well, this really leads to the first big picture point I pray that you see from 1 Corinthians 12, and that's the spiritual gifts are for we, not me. And as Jason talked about last week, if the gifts of the Spirit are just self-serving and they're about my experiences or my feelings or look at me, that's really probably a sign that they're not from the Lord. Going back to kind of our, our key point here, right? Our, our goal of all the spiritual gifts are to empower uh, us to build up God's church, not to just consume. Because we don't want to be treating God's church like McDonald's. You didn't come in here today, and I'm not going to say, hey, welcome to McDonald's, may I take your order. But we want to be here to use our gifts for God's purposes and glory. Continuing in verse 8, he says, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another is the other utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. 
to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the work of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now Paul here uh, gives a list of spiritual gifts and again, I don't see this list as some exhaustive list, like you, you've got to have one of these nine. Um, there's different overlap between this passage and other passage, and different distinctiveness is, is between this passage and others. But I hope you see Paul's big point here. He's highlighting that every gift comes from the Lord. And they're all empowered by the Lord, which is what he says in the next verse, verse 11. He says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Again here, this is his key point, that all the gifts are empowered by God. But I pray that you also see how each of the gifts is directed or chosen by God. And that's kind of the second big picture thing I hope you see from this passage. God specifically chose your spiritual gifts. You know, the gifts are for, the, are for we, not me, and they were chosen directly by God. And I hope you see that means if I want to complain about my gifts and the way I'm made, and why am I this way and other people are that way, I'm really complaining about the way God designed and made me. And Paul's going to build on this point in verse 12. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of, one, of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. I hope you see this, this theme of, of unity and oneness, that we are all supposed to be one in the body of Christ. But this concept in the Greco-Roman world would have been totally radical. Jews and Gentiles, free and slave, all together. English speakers, Spanish speakers, Nepalese speakers, Mandarin speakers, all in the same church, all worshiping the same God. Business executives, government contractors, McDonald's workers, PhDs, high school students, all one church. And we all need each other's gifts. And he's going to use this analogy of the body, um, and we see this in verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, I would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Here, Paul is sitting on the temptation to think that uh, your gifts are worth less than others. Let's be real. My feet smell at times, right? I take care of my feet different than I do my hands. I wash my hands, I wash my face, right? But I'm super grateful that I have feet. Um, it would be a lot of challenges if I, didn't, if I didn't have feet. I'm grateful for them, you know? But no one ever goes to you and say, wow, what a beautiful pancreas you have, right? But I'm super grateful that, uh, that I have uh, a, a fully working body. And he continues this analogy in verse 17. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If they were all a single member, 
where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Again, we see the choice of God in our giftings. You and I were designed with a purpose by an infinitely wise creator. And you are critical in your role. And that's the third big picture thing I hope you see from this passage. That the church struggles without your spiritual gifts. Uh, A quick little sidebar on Quest or in children's ministry here. I think it could be easy to to think of working in the nursery as just and and in Quest as you know glorified daycare, right? That's the daycare wing of the building or something like that. But I pray if you volunteer with Quest, I pray you know how valuable you are to God's kingdom building. First of all, I think you're you're making it so so many parents can hear. Um, I know so many parents uh, who, have, who have come just to get a break and some adult conversation, and through that, that's where they really heard the gospel. Um, I think you're empowering those parents and encouraging those parents to come back and love their kids and their families better and point them to the Lord. I just, especially thanks to many of you who have volunteered with Awana, um, my wife and I have had many dates during Awana, have been super helpful for our marriage grateful for it but i pray you would also see how you're laying a foundation for our children's relationships with the lord my primary role here is working with our middle schoolers and the fact that so many of our middle schoolers come in and they see place as a see church as a place that's fun and safe uh, it just opens them up to when their brains are finally able to comprehend things they're looking to god's word and to the church for answers instead of looking to the world and that's because of your care for them even if they don't understand truth from you in quest, they see the church as a place to explore faith. You're planting junior high and senior high. We're watering, but the Lord is causing it to grow. Third thing I would, I would just encourage our, our quest volunteers with is that we don't know the long-term outcome. My family started attending Reston Bible Church when I was in third grade, and I still remember my Sunday school teachers the very first Sunday we came and how they made me feel welcome. And I can tell you, every one of my Sunday school teachers, junior high and senior high volunteers, super grateful for their influence on my life. See, that's the thing. I don't think we understand and know who all we are investing in. That's part of God's much greater picture. And we invest in those things when we're not just coming, hey, how do I consume? How is this like McDonald's? And I know today in the lobby, they, they've got a, a, a table for Quest and Wana. I'm just super grateful for those of you uh, who have volunteered there. Uh, continuing in verse 21, it says, The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again can the head say to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And the unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Now here, I think Paul is talking about the second problem that can uh, erupt between people with different giftings. And that's me thinking that my gift is somehow more valuable than yours. But just because it, it may look weaker to us, doesn't mean that's the way that God views it, and it's not that way in God's economy. 
Um, I'm super grateful for the, the sound and the tech crew uh, here and each Sunday. Yes, I prepared a message sitting at McDonald's, but without them, uh, you wouldn't be able to hear me, especially those uh, who are there, are with us online. Um, you know, and I think the, the thing that's, that's really tough for them is they're really only noticed when something goes wrong. Even though 99.9% of the time they get everything right, super grateful uh, for you, for you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen back there. Um, speaking of indispensable, I'm really, uh, really grateful for Nuvia, uh, Roberto, and Ricardo, uh, the three people who clean, vacuum, take out the trash, restock, restock the TP. They're really just indispensable. Um, you know, I, I went to this church uh, one Sunday, and I'm pretty sure all the pastors, if not most of the pastors, uh, or most, not all of the pastors, were former engineers uh, like myself. A couple of them, I think, went to Virginia Tech. And I was basically ended up going to a church that was run by a bunch of people like me. Um, and everything at the church is very highly functional, practical. Well, there was very little there that was, I would say, aesthetically pleasing. The sanctuary was like this big box um, with white walls. Slides were um, basic PowerPoint template. And I just left thinking, like, wow, that, that worked. Well, I'm so grateful for the creative and the artistic people here, the people who decorate uh, the building. See, I think we can run to the temptation of, like, oh, I just I want to go to a church that's run by people that just think like me, and that would just be so much better. The reality is you do not want a church that's just run by me's, um, especially, especially, we haven't even talked about singing. Ooh, that'd be bad. Um, Continuing in verse 24, uh, we read this. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Again, here Paul is highlighting our need for unity. I don't think of my gift is better or your gift is better or anything like that but we're all unified together in Jesus Christ. As Paul closes uh, chapter 12, he's going to give another list of gifts. Again, some similarities, some differences. And then he's going to lead in to chapter 13, which many of you know, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is all about love. And he's talking about there, man, it doesn't matter how you utilize those gifts. If it's not done with love, it's worthless. It has no value. That's another really important topic, but another message. Um, but as, as, as we've, I hope you've seen Paul's really key points uh, from, chapter, from chapter 12 are, are this. That our spiritual gifts, again, are, are for the we, not me. That God specifically chose and has given you spiritual gifts. And that the church struggles without each of us exercising those gifts. So that leads us to some questions. You know, if God has designed me with some gifts uh, and the church struggles without them, well, then what are my gifts and and how am I using them? Well, again, um, we can see from from Scripture a list of of, of a bunch of different gifts uh, there. But I want to make sure we clear up one misconception I think we commonly have. And that's this. I believe our spiritual gifts are 
are far more God-empowering our natural abilities and giftings and wirings than some magical force or power. You know, I do believe there's a value in spiritual gift inventories. If you just Google spiritual gift inventories, lots of great resources online and some value there. But this isn't some like mystical force like Star Wars that you need to somehow discover. And again, it's not just, oh, you got to figure out what exact word on there that meets you, and that that's checks your box. And I want to look at one passage in, in Exodus chapter 35. And the context is this, is Moses and the Israelites are building the tabernacle. And, and we read this, starting in verse 30 of Exodus 35. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezael, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled them with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting of stones for setting and in carving of wood for work in every skilled craft. And he's going to continue and talk about his skills in teaching, um, weaving, lots of other things. Now, I would have loved to see the original tabernacle, uh, just the, the beauty, because uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's Holy Spirit-inspired beauty, and that would have been cool. But I pray you see from that passage that the gifts of the Holy Spirit here are craftsmanship, gold working, art, wood carving, engraving, teaching. But you know, I, I really seriously doubt Bezael had never worked with gold before. I don't think he just woke up one day and be like, you know what? I know how to smelt. And he didn't finish building the tabernacle and was like, ah, oh, I just forgot all those skills that I had. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure he had made, worked with some gold before, maybe made some golden arches. Um, <laughs> sorry, dad joke. But see, they were natural abilities, talents that he had worked on, that God supernaturally advanced, built upon, to build up God's kingdom. You know, I asked her permission before I share this so she wouldn't get too, too mad at me or hate me. But this exact same principle I see in RBC's accountant, Jen Jonely. You know, I, I like math, I like numbers, but the ways that she just has things organized. I, I just couldn't do it without a bunch of checks bouncing and our auditors hating my sticky notes and things like that. But it's not like Jen had never used a calculator before, before she became RVC's accountant. It's not like we just randomly pick some person and like, hey, you want to manage our books? Uh, the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to do for it. <laughs> but no, God is building upon her gifts her talents for the building up of his church. And one thing I, I just really especially see in her, when our gifts are empowered by the Holy Spirit, there isn't a burden. You know, I, I, I lead RBC's partnership with a school church and orphanage in Haiti. And because of that, there's a lot of weird like paperwork and forms and things that we need to, we need to do. And I'm always coming to her with some other random request or I need your help with this paperwork. And she's never like, ugh. I got to do more of your paperwork junk. I got to do another weird wire transfer. Aaron. No, she's got this like giddy excitement. Um, she's like, oh, this is so cool because I'm doing this paperwork. I know these kids in Haiti are going to get to go to school this year and they're going to hear about Jesus. And this is great. And this is so cool, 
right? She sees the link between her work and kingdom impact. And that's, that's what's so, I think, supernatural. That when we're serving under the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not a burden. See, I believe you and I were created in the image and likeness of God. And as image bearers of God, we have different gifts, we have different talents, and we have different abilities. And the Holy Spirit empowers and builds upon those for His kingdom. So what do we do? How do we find out our gifts? Well, the first thing I would encourage you to do is do some self-assessment. Take some time to reflect. And here's some questions I would encourage you to think through. First of all, what are my skills, talents, and abilities? I have a good voice. I can decorate. I'm friendly. I'm a good listener. What are they? And then I would ask myself this question. What do I find easier than other people do? You know, there's some people that just very naturally hold conversations with other people and, and, that, and make other people feel welcome. Other people like large crowds, that is not, not where I feel comfortable. Then I ask myself, hey, what am, I, what am I passionate about? Is there a problem when I just hear about this in the world? It's just something just burns inside of me that, I, that I've got to do something about that. Similar to that, what frustrates me? I do think God reveals a lot of my passions, and I see a lot of my passions when I, when I think through what are the things that really kind of frustrate me. Maybe that's God saying, hey, maybe you should do something in that arena. Fifth, what, are, what resources do I have? Maybe God has allowed you to have uh, the home that you have so that you can host people, and you really enjoy that. And then finally, what availability do I have in light of the assignments God already has for me? God isn't calling you to solve all the world's problems. There are also different seasons where you have more time or less time. I, I definitely see this as my kids have aged. But I, I start off, and I want to do some self-assessment, think through some of these questions. And after I've thought through them on my own, I would encourage us, secondly, to ask other people. Ask a couple trusted friends. What do you think are my spiritual gifts? What do you think are my passions? Hey, is there a ministry that you know of that would be a good fit for me? Have a conversation with a few trusted friends as you're trying to discern where the Lord might want you to serve. And third and finally, I would encourage you, try something. So often I do believe God reveals our gifts and passions when we actually do something. I, I think of uh, Mike Myers uh, when I think of, of this principle, uh, Mike always talks about the one Sunday, uh, there was an announcement that said, hey, we need some more uh, fifth and sixth grade boy Sunday school leaders for the summer. And he's like, man, eh, I got some time this summer. Uh, I've never done it before, but I'll try it. And that built a passion in him for children's ministry, eventually led him to be the children's pastor here, family pastor here, birthed all of what we see with his open arms ministry in Brazil, just because he was like, hey, I'll try it. And God built that passion. And so in the same way, I would encourage you to, to try something. I mean, with our ESL ministry, they always need more conversational partner, conversation partners, where really your commitment is, I'm going to meet with an English language learner a few times, grab coffee uh, with them. You know, maybe I make a friend from that, or maybe God builds some other uh, passion within that. I do believe God builds our passions as we serve Him. Last thing I would encourage you to think through as you're trying to figure out where to, where to serve 
Keep in mind, I'm an engineer, so this is the way sometimes my brain works. This is this Venn diagram here. <laughs> I do think that our, our sweet spot for volunteering is where there is an intersection between our skills and talents, our, our, our abilities, our passions, the things that kind of burn in our heart. And then as I look at, at my family and the other commitments that I have, what are, what are my time and resources? How do those overlap? You know, and, and maybe if for you, you're like, no, nah, I'm, a, I'm a good listener. I, I feel like I'm good at, at uh, leading small groups and, and kind of leading discussions. Uh, maybe you have that, that passion for middle school and high school students. Just say, hey, that's just such a critical age. I want them to be rooted in their faith. And I have an ability, I'm free one night of the week, which happens to be Wednesdays. Well, I just, I got some, some news for you. Junior, senior high, small group leaders, definitely looking for a few more. Um, and now maybe, maybe you start off and, and it's only an overlap of two of them. Um, it's, hey, I've got this time and this is a skill I have. And then God grows and develops that passion uh, within, within your life. And I do, I do, again, I think there are different seasons, uh, seasons that, that we have in life. But how am I using my gifts and my talents and abilities? Because I believe the Holy Spirit empowers believers to build up God's church, not to just consume. And I don't want to be treating God's church like McDonald's. So how am I using my gifts? last passage of scripture we're going to look at today is found in Romans chapter 12. And Romans 12, the first word of the, the chapter is therefore. And Paul is going to be referencing back to all of chapter 1 through 11. And chapter 1 of 11 of Romans is Paul's most clear and complete explanation of the gospel. And he starts off in, in chapter 1 talking about how all of us were under God's wrath. We deserve God's judgment because of the choices we made. He builds on this and up into chapter 3 where he says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, the things that I have done wrong have separated me from a holy, true, and righteous God. And there's a wall between me and God. But God loved you so much and he loved me so much as it talks about in Romans 5 that he sent Jesus Christ into this world to live a perfect life and to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. While I was helpless, Jesus Christ died for me. And that paid the penalty for the things that I have done wrong, that separation that I have with God. Jesus paid that penalty. And then when we, by faith, accept that that's what Jesus has done for us, it says we're now justified before God. Our sins past, present, and future are paid for. We now have this relationship with God because the Holy Spirit now indwells us and lives within us and fills us and empowers us for kingdom work. And we'll now spend an eternity with God in heaven and nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, as Romans 8 talks about. And so it's within that context of chapter 1 to 11, Paul says, hey, therefore, in light of that, this is what I want you to do. In verse 3, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, 
and individually members of one another. Again, this is very similar to what we've read in 1 Corinthians 12, where he's saying, hey, don't be arrogant um, because my gifts are better, um, but that we all have gifts assigned by God. We are all one body with different functions. Continuing uh, in verse 6, we read this. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if in service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Again, you'll see his list of, of different gifts here, but I pray you see his really, really clear command. His big point is let's use them. And linking back to chapters 1 to 11, in light of all that God has done for us, the fact that he saved us, he remade us to be part of his body that we were alienated from. And now he's placed you within that body of Christ. It's not optional for me to choose whether or not I want to use my gifts for his purposes and his glory. That is our reasonable service. That is us worshiping him as a living sacrifice. This is the way we were designed by God. This is your reasonable act of service in light of the gospel. And I'm ignoring the grace of God and God's assignment when I don't use my gifts. I'm treating God's church like McDonald's where it's all about me and what I can get out of it. But God didn't save me to be all about me. He didn't save you to be all about you. He saved us to be about his kingdom. And as, as we kind of saw from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, as we think about these spiritual gifts that he's given us, right? Our spiritual gifts are for the we, not the me. God specifically chose your spiritual gifts, my spiritual gifts. And the church struggles when we don't use our gifts. As you walked in today, hopefully you received a card uh, similar to this. love for you to take it out, look at it, and pray over it uh, with me for a minute. Uh, on the card, it lists a lot of different ways that you could be involved here at RBC. Um, not that these are the only ways to serve. There's lots of other great ministries out there, ways to build up the church, uh, ways in your community like John and Sharon uh, were talking about earlier. Hey, that's awesome. Praise God. But as we hear, see from these points, man, the church struggles when we don't use our gifts. And is there a gift that God is saying, hey, I want you to use this within the context of the church to build up my kingdom? Um, there's lots of different ways you can be involved. Uh, lots of opportunities within the, our children and students ministry that are listed here. People you can contact for more information. Um, you know, what we do here on Sunday morning doesn't happen without a great uh, team of people. And maybe you're like, you know, as I, I look at my, my giftings and my timing, I can get up early in the morning and still have a friendly face. Uh, I can smile in the morning. Uh, I can arrive on time to places. And, um, you know, I, I'm not as affected maybe by hot and cold. If that's you, you make a great greeter here at the church. And that's a, obviously a really huge role. It's the first, per, first face a lot of new people will see here, a lot of people questioning. And then I think it even prepares all of our hearts uh, for worship, uh, to have a friendly, uh, friendly greeting. 
Um, you know, a lot of the ways to use your gifts are being in groups of community, fellowship groups with other people. Um, so many of your gifts are just, hey, as we're in a Bible study together and we're a community together, I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you. Uh, and, and, and shoot, maybe as a, a first step for a lot of you guys here in the table, or in the lobby, there's a table with more information about our, our men's retreat. It'll be a, a great weekend. Uh, speaker Paul Goodnight there, who's our youth summer camp speaker be a great time. That's just a way to get connected with other people and using your gifts in the body of Christ. And, and using your gifts, we're not just talking about, hey, this is the stuff you need to do. Prayer is huge. Prayer is a huge way you can serve the body of Christ. And there are ways to get connected to, uh, with their different prayer groups. Um, if you're like, hey, I just have a burning desire to share my faith with my, with my neighbor after you heard uh, maybe a little of what John and Sharon were talking about. But hey, I don't even know how to do that. Where to start? Uh, Bob Schull would love for you to email him and reach out to him. A lot of different care ministries we have at the church and other local partner ministries. If you're like, hey, I just, you know, I love to garden. Help with our community garden that feeds hundreds of people each week. If you look at this, you're like, I don't know where to start, but you know, I'm open to something. You scan the QR code here, it'll bring you to a form, fill out that, and we will get in touch with you. I love McDonald's. I don't need to be ashamed of that. And I love meeting with God there. I have a date plan there this afternoon, me and God. But when I leave McDonald's, I have no responsibility to my McDonald's. I've given them my dollar and five cents for my cup of coffee. We're good. But this is our church, which the holy, righteous, and true God of the universe designed you and I to be a part of. And he has now placed his Holy Spirit inside of us to empower believers, to build up his church, not to just consume. So I pray that today, this week, in the future, that we will worship our Lord, our God, our Savior and King through our service, empowered by his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God in heaven, um, you have been so, so, so good to us, Lord. God, we were hopeless, but you have saved us. And we praise you and we worship you for that, Lord. And God, I do pray if there's anyone here that, that wouldn't consider themselves a follower of Jesus Christ, or maybe thought that they, they had to do a bunch of good things to earn your love or care today. Lord, I pray that they would know it's not about what they can do, but it's about what you've already done by sending your son Jesus to die for us and to rise and give us life and that they can have that free gift just by placing their faith in you. And God, for, for all of us here today, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see what's the way that you wired us. How did you design me, God? And God, given those gifts, given those passions, given those abilities that you give, you've given us, given, me, given the time that I have, how do you want me to invest that for your name, for your honor and your glory? And in that, Lord, God, I pray that you would just be, receive so much worship, praise, and honor because that's what you deserve. You are the, our God. You are the creator of all. You are the all-powerful one. And you so radically cared for us and loved us. 
And we worship you and we honor you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.